Well, good morning. It's great to be with you. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. When I got in today, we went and prayed in the back. And before we went into the prayer room, Mike slipped me a 50. And he said, I need you to preach really long today. Uh, so that the, when I come back next Sunday, they'll think I preach short. So uh, I hope you brought a sack lunch because we're going we're gonna to hang out here for a bit. And um, it's, it's not true. It was only a 20. I just checked. But it was... Uh, They'll still get them an extra half hour, so it's really great. Uh, it's great to be here, and um, you know, I, I want to be where God is. And uh, let me just declare this, that God uh, is alive and well in Orange County. He, he's alive and well in Southern California. And uh, I, I think it's really important in the time that we live that we, we actually love what Jesus loves. We say what Jesus is saying, uh, and we actually declare what's on his heart for places. I think there's a lot of people that actually are releasing a lot of Christian witchcraft in the earth. They're, they're trying to incorporate their opinion and make it sound prophetic. How many know if you're going to be prophetic, you have to actually give up your right to your own opinion? The Bible calls actually believers, it calls the church to be ambassadors of hope, uh, ambassadors of, and ministers of reconciliation. What, what I love about the idea of being ambassadors of the kingdom of God is this, that if you're an ambassador for a country, you get to go live in a foreign country, but you get to make that spot called the embassy uh, look a lot like where you came from. So you get your own food, you get your own decorations, and it looks like home, but it's in a, it's in a foreign land. You have all kinds of rights. You have diplomatic immunity. All of those things, but in exchange, you give up one right. It's the right to your own opinion. You'll never hear an ambassador or a press secretary say, my opinion is. They always say, the opinion of my president, the opinion of my king is. And that's really what we should be saying. Uh, I really felt this strong. Uh, a couple of years ago, there was this lady in my church, and uh, she was an amazing intercessor. Uh, she, was, she loved, had this gift of mercy like I've never seen uh, she had a son that had gone off the rails, uh, and this son was was it was just a heartbreaking story. He kind of got off in, in drugs a little bit, and because of that, he uh, got into to thievery, and he had all of these issues. And uh, she would come; he would get arrested, and she would come to the office of the church where I was a part of, and she would come in, and she would say to me or the other pastors, "You know, Jimmy uh, got in trouble again. He's." in jail and what should I do and and we would say you should leave him there like you should actually leave him there uh, that way you know where he is you're going to get a better night's sleep and and let God deal with him in there at least for the most part he won't be able to use while he's in there and you should leave him in there and she would agree she would weep and she would say thank you pastors and then she would go to the bank uh, she would get the bail money she would go to the bail bondsman and she would get Jimmy out of jail and she would say, Jimmy, I'm going to get you uh, out of jail. And the only condition is you have to come to church with me on Sunday. And uh, Jimmy was a church charmer, man. You know any church charmers? Not here, but maybe up in L.A. <laughs> By the way, I, I lived in L.A. for 20 years. Uh, it was lower Alabama. But uh, it was <laughs> a little bit different accents. No Mickey Mouse. We had some angels there, but they, they weren't in Anaheim. So um, it was, 
No. Uh, and so this would happen. And, and Jimmy was a church charmer, so he knew how to work the system. So he would respond. He knew that the gig was, I have to come to church, uh, and, I, and I actually have to uh, respond to the altar call. And I don't care if the altar call was for halitosis or salvation or, you know, uh, a stub toe. He was, he was going to be there. And he could turn on the crocodile tears, man. This guy could, like, cry with the best of them. And, 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 and I was wise to it because I'm prophetic, and so I'm a discerner, which gives me the right to be a little judgmental. That's not true. How many know that's actually heresy? Just can we erase that from the live stream? Because uh, I, I don't need the hate mail on Facebook. And, uh, so <laughs> come back, Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and so... <laughs> So, so, so he comes and over and over, and this happens 13 times in about two years. And one Friday afternoon, she comes in, and, and Jimmy really messed up this time. He uh, had, had been in a car that got in a wreck, and he didn't have a license, and he was high and had some, some stuff on him. And, and she, we tell her, leave him there, but she springs him. And she brings him to church on Sunday, and sure enough, man, he's at the altar, and he's weeping. I'm on the left-hand side of the altar praying for other people, and I see Jimmy, and I think to myself, I'm going to go over there and give Jimmy a piece of my mind. I'm going to give him five-fold ministry. I'm going to take him by the back of the neck. I'm going to walk him into the office. I'm going to say, Jimmy, quit making your mama cry. And so I pray for somebody over here, and then I go over to Jimmy, and I make a beeline, and I'm about to let him have it. And the Lord said, would you rather give him a piece of your mind or a piece of my heart? Because what you think in your mind won't change him, but my heart will. And the Lord downloaded this prophetic word. This was this amazing prophetic word. Like if I were going to write out a prophetic word for myself, that's the word that Jimmy got. He, he was going to uh, be a soul winner. He was going to uh, you know, be, do well in business. Like it was this amazing prayer. It was like as if Mike was praying over Jimmy. He was going to have grandkids and more kids and more money than he knows what to do with. And, and he was going to tithe to uh, the vineyard, you know. It was going to be, it was going to be amazing. Uh, I mean, it was that kind of word, right? See, I feel like I know him and I just met him. He might not want to know me after today, but he at least has to stick with me through lunch. That's just the deal. Uh, and so I give him this word, and he just weeps, and God completely delivers him. And today he's probably one of the strongest evangelists I know. He goes into jails and into, into rehab centers, and he just shares his story and the gospel, and people's lives are changed. He, he owns a construction business. He hires people. He, he disciples people, and it's amazing. But I could have missed it if I would have got caught up in my own opinion. Here's what I'm saying to you today, that the Lord wants to release the opinion of heaven. What's the opinion of heaven? Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, to give you a hope and a future. I believe this, that the Lord is calling the church to be once again forward thinking. For the most part, the church and the earth spent about two, two and a half years trying to deal with fear. And I feel like the Lord is saying, quit talking about and teaching about fear and start talking about the future. 
that we actually need to talk about this glorious hope. I'm not saying that the fear wasn't real, but how many know perfect love casts out all fear? I'm thankful for the hashtags of hashtag faith over fear, but perfect faith doesn't cast out all fear. Perfect love does. And so I'm telling you that there's about to be an increase of the love of God being poured out upon this region like never before. I'm praying that God moves in such a way in Orange County uh, in Southern California that y'all stop moving to Franklin, Tennessee. Traffic in the last two years is just getting awful. (laughs) I've never been honked at. I grew up in Chicago and I've never been honked at more than I've been honked at. No, I'm just... (laughs) I'm just kidding. Come and visit and don't buy property. It's going way too expensive for us. No, I just, I'm just, what I'm saying to you is this, is so many times people lose, they, they move from the place of promise right before the promise comes. We get weary in waiting. We, we look at all of this stuff through external circumstances. And here's the word of the Lord to you. It's time to let the eternal speak to the internal. That the Lord wants to give us a heavenly perspective, an eternal perspective of what he's doing in the earth. I had this vision one time of angry angels. I'm not talking in Anaheim. (laughs) But these angels, they they looked like they had an attitude. They looked like they were a little ticked off. And I said, Lord, what's up? And he just showed me John 151 when Jesus said, you haven't seen anything yet. Where do you see angels ascending and descending on my body, the church? And he, the Lord said these words. He said that, that, that I release a word. I, I, I activate the angels. Don't get caught up in, in, the, in, in weirdness with angels. They're the ministering spirits of the ears of salvation. They have an assignment to carry out the word of the Lord. That's their assignment for believers. How many know you don't talk to angels? You talk to Jesus. And Jesus dispatches the angels. Can, can we just? How many know that's good theology? That, that, that's just good theology. And so don't get weird with it, but realize that in the kingdom you have access. Are you hearing me? And so the Lord said what happens is that that people pray for things. I release prophetic words. People receive those prophetic words. They get weary in the waiting. And right before the promise comes, they move somewhere. They change. But your faith has an address. And the question is, is anybody home? Because when they deliver it and they knock on the door, they ring the doorbell. If you're not there, there's no forwarding address. Here's what I'm saying to you. There is, uh, there is a grace for the place that God's called you to. How many know it's really important to, to, to be careful with what you agree with? Because what you agree with, you will align with. What I agree with, I will align with. So if I agree with the enemy that things are going to hell in a handbasket quick, how many know I'm going to get a negative bent and all I'm going to think is, 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 is all I'm going to do is start praying for the rapture. Jesus, come, come beam me up. Come on, don't be, a, don't be a Holy Spirit streaker. The church is filled with Holy Spirit streakers. We've got the helmet of salvation on and nothing else. Don't picture that. It will cause you to sin. <laughs> Lord, heal them right now of lust and envy. 
You're like, this guy can't preach, but he is easy on the eyes. I, I get it. I, I understand it. Here's what Holy Spirit, streak, Holy Spirit streakers do. We've got the helmet of salvation. So we're like, okay, Lord, come, come quickly. Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus, and, and get me out of here before it gets really bad. And so we got a helmet of salvation, a suitcase, and, and, and a little Minecraft sword, you know. <laughs> we're just trying to, Lord, get us out of here before it gets really, really bad. And how many of you know that's not really what the rapture's about? Jesus isn't coming on a rescue mission. He, he's coming back for a glorious bride. He's going to pick up his bride on his wedding day. And, and I think it's really important to, to realize that God didn't even call us to be a successful church. He called us to be a victorious church. He called us to be a glorious church without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. And so many pastors and so many movements were, were focused on a successful church and, and numbers and finances and buildings and all of those things. And the Lord is saying, hey, really, I, I don't call that successful. Right? Why? He, he said that you were victorious. He said that you were glorious. And here's what I'm saying today is that the Lord is about to move in such a way. Why? I actually have historical precedent in the kingdom to go back on. That the Lord has moved in the state of California in so many ways. From Azusa Street to Redding and in parts in between. In the vineyard and on the beaches and the highways and the byways and the Jesus movement and all of those things. And I have to go, Lord, that, that, that is actually a kingdom precedent. And that, Lord, that you're, you're about to come and you're going to do it again, but you're going to do it in greater measure. So what I'm telling you is this, is there is a move of the Spirit of God that is about to sweep through the earth that is going to be greater than what we read about in the book of, uh, in the book of Acts chapter 2. That, that Pentecost was actually just a glimpse. It was actually just the preview to normal Christian life. He was saying, this is the bare minimum of how I want you to live, but I don't decrease, I always increase. And I believe that the Lord is about to really release an increase of the anointing upon everyday believers for this purpose. The anointing destroys the yoke. There are some of us right now to actually realize that we don't have to wait from something or someone to come from without, but we actually have to activate the kingdom of God from within. Jesus said in Luke chapter 17 and 19 that indeed the kingdom of heaven is within you. So wherever you go, that's what I love about Kesom. It's wherever you go in everyday life, you're manifesting the kingdom, right? The desire of this church, I'm, I'm sure, is this, that every member be a minister. How many full-time Christians are in the room this morning? About 75%. That's really good. <laughs> if you're a full-time Christian, you're in full-time ministry. There's a few part-timers here. That's all right. But, but, but if you're in full-time Christian, you're in full-time ministry. And it's a really a beautiful, beautiful assignment. I had this word, and, and, and please hear it through the right heart of how I'm saying it. I woke up with this word, 1 Timothy 4, verse 14. It says, don't neglect the gift. I think it, what happens a lot in renewal, charismatic, spirit-filled culture is this is that we actually get so accustomed and so used to things that we go on autopilot and we actually we start we, we don't deny the gift or the gifts but we actually neglect them so i, I used to pray in tongues 24 7 but now it's every once in a while 
How many, have you seen the traffic in LA? Have you seen the traffic in Orange County on the five? You have plenty of time to pray in tongues, y'all. You have at least 30 minutes to go two miles, and you just sit there and pray in tongues, and you get your, you get your prayer quota in, I promise you. What I'm saying is this, is that the, the Lord wants us to stir up the gifts that came with the laying on of hands. He wants to stir up things on the inside of us. Uh, how many know that, that what we've walked through and maybe what we're walking through uh, is, is what was prophesied in Hebrews and, and Haggai, right? That once more it's a little while that I will shake the heavens and the earth and everything that can be shaken will be shaken so that the unshakable kingdom can remain. You, you have a James Bond prophecy this morning. Do you want it shaken or stirred? <laughs> Some of you get me and I love you a lot. Some of you don't get me and Mike will be back next week. So, How do you avoid shaking? How do you avoid being shaken? It's to remain stirred. Living in a steady stream of the presence of God that tells me how it gives me instruction of how to navigate what I'm walking through. And how you navigate the now will determine how you enter into the next. I feel like the Lord wants to fill this church with next expectations. Expectations of the next. I want to be fully present in what God is doing now, but I also want to live pointed towards eternity, knowing that God's about to do something greater than I've ever seen, known, or experienced, encountered before. I I believe it with all my heart. If you were to ask me uh, one of the most up-to-date prophetic words out of the Bible for the times and seasons that we're living in, I will tell you that it's Habakkuk 1 verse 5. Look among the nations and be utterly astounded that even if I were to tell you a thing, you wouldn't be able to comprehend it. Now, now if, you are, uh, if you're somebody that is more geared towards the negative, this is how you'll read that. There's going to be so many bad things happening all over the earth. It's going to be so mind-blowing. I, I can't even take it all in. And oh my goodness, it's going to be bad, 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 bad. But if you, if you discern this scripture truthfully and honestly and through the lens of which it was written, this is what it means. That God's about to do so many things in our midst and all around us that we're not going to be able to wrap our minds about it because he's about to blow our mind and knock our socks off. That's the season that we're living in. That God is about to do so many things, I can't even comprehend it. I was sharing yesterday that my mom went home to be with the Lord at 84 uh, on November 15th of last year. And she had these amazing encounters with God the last couple weeks of her life. She uh, would, would just, in the night, the Lord would speak to her and she would have these amazing things where she would draw me close. I had the great privilege and honor of taking care of her in her last two weeks. And, and, and one night she drew me close and she, she said, uh, she said, David, um, people have said that my generation has been one of the greatest generations, the World War II, Great Depression era. Uh, uh, people have been the greatest generation that's ever lived. She said that might be true uh, until now. She said, I believe the greatest generation is actually being born and now maybe even into their 30s. And she said, in that generation, she said, they're about to be the greatest generation because they're going to be marked by one of the greatest moves of God the earth has ever seen. And the Lord said that, you know, spiritual warfare is real because the enemy fears this generation more than any other. And that's why all of the attacks against identity and all the attacks against all of these things. She said, the Lord just showed me one drop of his blood and how powerful it is. And he showed me one drop of his blood covers the multitude of sins and it hit the earth and it went completely around the earth. And the Lord is saying to you and to the church that there's an 
anointing, a grace coming on you uh, out of Habakkuk 2 and 14, that your job, your assignment is to cover the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord like the, like the waters cover the sea. I, I believe there's an assignment on us in the church today to cover the earth. Can I, can I say something to you? Ministry to your neighbor is just as important as you going to the nations. We, have, we, we, we put great impact on, on people that are going to the nations. And we have our heroes that are, are changing nations and all of those things. And, and all well and good. But, but how many know your, your neighborhood and your neighbor is just as important as, as me going to 69 countries? Why? Because God wants to do in Orange County what he's doing in Mozambique, what he's doing in Brazil, what he's doing in India, what he's doing all around the world. And you get to be a part of it. Come on, I, I, you ever ask this question, what in the world's going on? Yeah. Right? Yeah. You get a, a notification on your phone uh, from, from your favorite news outlet. You, you flip through Fox News, CNN, or BSNBC. Boy, I'm glad I'm on this side of the county line. (laughs) (laughs) Forgive me, Lord. I'm sorry, but like my kids say, sorry, not sorry. John 16 and 33 says, These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. For in the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. For I've overcome the world. That's what's going on right now. He said, in this life, in this world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have tribulation. He's not even talking about the great tribulation here. Jesus is really saying, and you you could actually translate it this way, that in this life, in this world, you're going to have pressure. I think that the church doesn't know what to do with pressure. But I'm thankful for pressure. Because the seat you're sitting on would not be able to hold you up unless it had endured pressure. Nothing in the earth is created without pressure. Any mothers in the room? How'd you know it was time to give birth? I have five kids. I hadn't felt anything, but my wife tells me. I mean, I have some sympathy. That's that's eight months right there. This kind only comes out with prayer and fasting. You don't get a body like this hanging out in a gym. I, I, I think the church should be like my gym, though. I go to Planet Fitness. It's a no-judgment zone. And I found it to be true. I've been a part of Planet Fitness for four and a half years. And I don't judge them for taking my $21 a month. And they don't judge me because I've only showed up four times in four years. It's a really great thing. I haven't caved into that pressure. I used to be in shape. Now I am a shape. I used to want Abe. I used to want abs and now I just have a ab. What does that have to do with your message? Nothing. 
that $20 kicking in, y'all. And maybe a little cup of coffee. But Jesus is saying that, hey, I've spoken these things I've spoken to you so that you actually know what time it is. That you may have peace. Because in this life, there's going to be all kinds of pressure. But I don't want you to fear like the world fears. I don't want you to cave into corporate pressure, religious pressure, family pressure, peer pressure. I actually want you to know to be of good cheer. You're going to walk through stuff with my joy, which is complete, and the joy of the Lord that is your strength is going to get you through. He's saying, I want you to do what me and the Father are doing, according to, to Psalm chapter 2, that we, we who sit in the heavens shall laugh. Why do nations rage and kings plot a vain thing? I want you to be so filled with joy, so filled with strength, that when all this stuff comes to you, all your, all your response is, I'm going to be of good cheer. Why? Because I have overcome the world. Matthew 24 and 12 says, and lawlessness will abound. And because of, it, because of offense, the love of many will wax cold. Their hearts will get hardened and they won't even know it hit them. They'll, they'll turn on each other. But they, they who endure and believe to the end shall be saved. And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to the uttermost parts of the earth. We're focusing on the offense, we're focusing on the lawlessness, and we should reuse it and go, hey, I'm watching, and I'm praying, and I realize the signs of the time, but the trigger point is this, that when I see those things happening, I should actually pull up my bootstraps and get really excited, because I'm not a part of the problem, I'm actually a part of the uh, solution, and I get to be a part of preaching the gospel to the ends of the earth, to the ends uh, of the earth. Can I tell you something? The Lord is doing so many amazing, amazing things in our midst. It's going to blow our mind. Let the eternal speak to the internal. The Lord's about to take us from lamentation to celebration. I would say that the church has been in such a lamentation for the last two years. And the Lord is bringing us back from that lamenting, back into that season of celebrating the goodness, the kindness of God. I believe the Lord is saying to us, according to Matthew 28 and 20, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So here, I have a few minutes left, which means I've got a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Here's what I believe the, the Lord is actually saying to us. There, we're about to enter into a season of crossing over. Some of you right now, you're about to cross over. Have you ever run a race? I haven't. Just in case you wondered. <laughs> I have run once. <laughs> My daughter's at a race today. She's at a NASCAR race. She likes to watch grown men go left. I, I don't understand it. <clears throat> it has nothing to do with my message either. If you ever watched a race, the starting line and the finish line are in the same place. If you ever watch a, 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 one of those races where they're passing the baton, a relay race, what happens is they hand off a baton 
The next person takes off. And I believe some of you are about to, to release some of the things you've been holding. And at the same time, you're about to grab onto something new. Are you hearing me? In Mark, I'm sorry, in Joshua chapter 3, the Lord gives Joshua an instruction. Joshua chapter 1, the Lord's reminding Joshua who he is. It says, Joshua, my servant, the guy you followed for so long, Moses, is dead. But as I was with Moses, so I'm going to be with you. He couldn't cross the people over. He got people out, but, and you were with him when you got people out, but you get to actually take people in. And I'm sure Joshua was thinking, Lord, I don't really want to mess this up. And he gets the instruction of the Lord, tell the people, consecrate themselves, call the elders together, have them go with the Ark of the Covenant first. And he tells the people, keep your eyes on the Ark of the Covenant because you've never been this way before. Let me paraphrase it to you in Orange County English. Keep your eyes on the presence of God because you've never been this way before. That in order to actually know what to do and how to get to where God's taking us in this season, it's going to take us keeping our eyes on the presence of God. Not the people around us, not what other churches are doing, not even what other churches in our movement are doing, but we must keep our eyes on the presence of God because we've never been this way before. Does that make sense to you? The, the Lord is saying it's time to cross over and the way you get there and the way you do it uh, in, in a way that is right is to keep your eyes on the presence of the Lord. There was another crossing over story in Mark chapter 4, verse 34 and 35. Jesus uh, is ministering to the multitudes. Remember the story? How many know Jesus is fully God, but he's also f- fully man? So the fully God part of him never gets tired, never sleeps, never slumbers. But the part of him that is a man actually gets tired and he he wants to at times take a nap or recharge, get alone with the Father, be with his disciples and those things. And so he he gives this instruction in Mark chapter 4, verse 34. He tells the disciples, hey, uh, we've ministered a lot here. Let's go to the other side of the lake. Let's go to the other side of the sea and, and let's rest a while together. And so they get in the boat. Uh, one of the Gospels talks about un- more little boats following them. And as they get out in the middle of the lake, a storm comes out of nowhere. Remember it? Yes, 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 yes. Jesus is asleep in the stern of the boat, in the back of the boat. He is sound asleep. Uh, it starts raining winds. The, the boat is filling with water. It's, it's listing. It, it's it being tossed to and fro. And the disciples get freaked out. And they start talking amongst each other like, doesn't he care about us? I mean, he brought us out here to die. I mean, we were already there getting thronged by the, you know, by the crowds and all those things. And we're hungry and we're tired too. And can you believe that Jesus is sleeping a moment like this? Don't, he, don't, you, don't you think he doesn't even care about us anymore? Duh, he's in the same boat. But the atmosphere and the conditions and the world around him doesn't do anything to detour his rest. And they go to Jesus. Finally, Jesus, how can you be sleeping at a moment like this? You need to wake up, Jesus. There's a storm and there's a wind and waves and the boat is filling. We're going to die. We're going to die, Jesus. Don't you care about us anymore? From my Sunday school days, I thought Jesus like jumped up like Superman and go, peace be still. But the more I know Jesus, I think he responded like this. Come on, Pete, five more minutes. Johnny boy, I told you, man, give me at least till 4.30. Like, 
I think he's just wiping his eyes. Going, oh, wow. It's raining a little bit. Man, somebody left the air conditioning on. The wind is blowing like crazy. Oh, some water in the boat. Peace, be still. And the wind stop, and the waves stop. And they go, who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? Jesus asks them a question. Where is your faith? He's saying it's not something you conjure up. Faith is with you in the boat because I'm your faith. Is there a little rebuke? Is there a little adjustment in it? Yes, but he's simply saying, hey, I'm in the same boat with you. I'm showing you there's a better way to actually rest through, through all of this stuff. They get to the other side. And Jesus is just thinking, I, would, I want to spend some time with my father and with my friends. And immediately he's met by this guy who's demonized, he's crazy, he's naked. Everybody knows who he is. He sleeps in the tombs. He lives with dead people. He's tormented his whole life. And he runs to Jesus. And, 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 and he has this conversation with Jesus that begins. And Jesus discerns something. And he said, hey. The guy says, please do not send us back to where we came from. Jesus is saying, I see you got some trouble, but, but what's your name? My whole life until about three, year, three months ago, I thought Jesus was talking to the demons. Asking the demon, what's your name? But he's actually saying to the guy, hey, I know you got stuff going on, but you're really important to me. What's your name? You're, you're worth getting to know. What's your name? And the demons speak, and they go, we are legion because we're many. Please don't send us back to the abyss. And it's crazy to me. Jesus answers the prayer of demons. And he agrees not to send them to the abyss. But all of a sudden, there's a herd of pigs running down the mountains. Have you ever been to the Middle East? Yeah. There ain't no pigs there. That, that, that's southern. Bad, bad grammar, but really good theology. Ain't no pigs there. That's redneck theology. Ain't no. My could. Right? And, and, and all of a sudden these pigs come running down the mountain. Jesus casts the demons into the pigs. And they jump off the cliff into the water. Listen to this. What did they jump into? The same water Jesus just spoke peace into. So in other words, in the midst of your warfare, in the midst of every demonic assault and attack against your life, Jesus will create an atmosphere of, of peace that is so great that it will drown out every demon of hell and every circumstance and situation that's comes against you. Because peace is power. All the townspeople come and say, hey Jesus, that's way too much God in church. We knew what to do with the guy when he was naked, demonized, crazy guy. We knew what to do. We, we were so accustomed to him. We just knew a couple times a day that he would go crazy, so you just go to the other side of the street and you let him do his deal, and if you don't get in his way, you're fine. And we knew what to do. We, we were very comfortable with him being bound and demonized. 
But now that he's free, we really don't know what you, you're, to do with him, and you're really messing up our religious system. So it would be kind of you to leave right now. Too much God in church. Often when Jesus comes in a way we've never seen, experienced, or known before, we dismiss it. We push it away. We push him away. And Jesus answers the prayers of the religious people. And he gets in the boat and he's getting ready to leave. And the naked, demonized, crazy guy who's now free in his right mind comes to Jesus. Jesus, can I come with you? And Jesus doesn't answer his prayer. He tells him no. He said, I need you to stay right here and tell everybody what just happened to you. Bobby Connor says, in a moment, he went from a maniac to a missionary. In a moment, he, he went from demonizing crazy to an evangelist. I have a friend that planted a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, because Tulsa needed another church. <laughs> and the church was going about six months, and so we were doing this weekend, a person in gifts of the Holy Spirit. I was teaching it. And... As I'm, I'm teaching it, uh, or we're getting ready to teach, there's commotion that takes place. So there was a couple that were with the pastor for about six months, whole time of the church, and they invited another couple. They went out to eat, uh, and uh, after they were eating, they were going to the church, and they saw a man walking down the street, and the people in the back seat recognized him as somebody from work, and they said, hey, should we stop and ask him to go to church with us? And they said, sure. So they opened up the door. They said, hey, Christopher, would you like to go to church with us? He says, sure. He gets into the car with them, and they drive away, and immediately they realize there's a huge problem. Uh, Christopher is three sheets to the wind drunk. He's vomited on himself. He's urinated on himself. He doesn't smell right. He's not acting right. And certainly, uh, you know, he's not dressed right for church. So the people in the front seat, the, the wife in the front seat is texting her friend in the back seat, like, what should we do? And they come up with this plan. As soon as we get him to the church, we're going to bring him to the, uh, to the lost and found. We're going to get him some clothes, a cup of coffee, call an Uber or a cab, and just send him on his way. And so they pull up into the church parking lot, and Christopher has other plans. As soon as the car stops, he opens the door, runs into the church, runs through the foyer, or as some people would say, the foyer. <laughs> I just call it the place where you come in the door. Um, <laughs> cool the way people talk sometimes so he, he runs in hooks a right runs to the front of the sanctuary falls on his face and starts weeping one of the elders of the church sees that we have a drunk crazy guy in the front of the church and we're starting we're about to have church come on say that with me church like we are about to have church and you can't have this guy in the front of the church because he doesn't look right act right smell right and so he prays for him. He says, hey, buddy, come with me. And he brings him into the kitchenette where I'm drinking coffee with the pastor. So he walks in. I say, hey, man, how you doing? What's your name? He said, uh, my name is Christopher A. Cornstalk, Native American Cherokee Indian. I go, hey, my name is David J. Wagner. I didn't say that. I just said, my name's David. <laughs> prophet, prophet of the Lord. <laughs> no. Uh, and I said, hey, man, my name's David. How'd you like to be my guest of honor? And he agrees. So we clean him up a little bit, and we put him on the front row, and I'm teaching. 
as I'm teaching, uh, man, you just watch all these church people squirm, man. And while I'm teaching, Christopher's falling out of his chair onto the floor. And it has nothing to do with the power of God. He's drunk. He's just... I should go like Benny Hinn. Pick him up, Rock. Pick him up. And, and, And So, you know, we saw, we helped him up in his seat and... He starts snoring. He, he's letting other bodily functions go that I won't talk about on a Sunday morning. He, he actually bursts out sometimes with cuss words. People are just, I can't believe him. Why is the pastor not stopping this? I thought we knew David. Why we don't really know David? Why has anybody actually, I'd let you cast him out, send him out. Of you. I mean, you should either cast the demon out of the person or the person out of the demon or cast them both out of the church. I, I don't know what we should do. I love offending religious spirits. I really do. So I get done teaching, and I go, Hey, Christopher, how'd you like to give your life to Jesus? He goes, Sure. I make him lift his hands, because unless it looks like you're being held at gunpoint, it doesn't work, right? Like, like you got to look like... Because, like... you know, after you get saved, we're going to say, Give us all your money, at least 10% of it. I said, No, 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 I do, I do. Just getting them ready for what's to come. <laughs> Not here, but in those other places. So, so you know, he lifts his hands. He, he prays the prayer. The power of God hits him. He, he hits the floor. Three demons come screaming out of him. He's on the floor for a little bit. He, he gets up and he goes, Hey, where'd my buzz go? And he goes, ah, forget about it. This is better. And the power of God hits him. Now, I'm a pretty radical guy. Like, I think that's pretty cool. But it was messing with me a little bit because I wasn't even teaching on tongues until 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. (laughs) Then he really freaks me out. He starts singing a prophetic word over me. He said, I see windmills on fire, wooden shoes on fire, tulips on fire. The Lord's going to take you back to the place where your grandfather came to America, the only place you said you didn't want to go back to. And you're going to see a revival. The Lord's going to release the reformer's fire on you. And he had no idea who I was. And now I'm really freaked out because prophecy is not till 4 o'clock Saturday. <laughs> we, we end the meeting and we go, hey, uh, Christopher, do you want to go to IHOP with us? And uh, we were done being spiritual. We weren't going to International House of Prayer. We were going to International House, International House of Pancakes. <laughs> so he comes with us, and, and we go there. And, and, and I could tell he's, he's, he's saved, but I'm questioning if he's fully delivered because he orders Rudy Tootie Fresh and Fruity. <laughs> Can I just get on a soapbox a minute? Why can't I just order pancakes with strawberries and whipped cream? I do not want to say Rudy Tooty Fresh and Fruity. And unless you think I'm just picking on IHOP, I also want to pick on Denny's. I do not want to order moons over my hammy. If I want an English muffin with Canadian bacon and over easy eggs, then I should be able to order it that way. And the waitresses mess with you. You say, I would like the pancakes with the strawberries and the whipped cream. They go, oh. 
so you mean Rudy Tootie Fresh and Fruity. No, I, I just want pancakes, strawberries with... Say it. I'm not saying it. You don't say it, no pancakes for you. All right, off my soapbox. We're, we're at IHOP. We're ordering, we're waiting, and all of a sudden these 13 drunk guys come in, and they're causing a ruckus. They're cussing, they're spitting, you know, the, the, the straws, you know, the, the, the paper that covers the straws. And in California, now you got paper that covers the paper straws, and I don't get any of that. Okay, back off the soapbox. So, <laughs> come back, help me, Holy Spirit. So, you know, they're just, they're just making a fool of themselves, and the manager's about to go kick them out. But Christopher says, excuse me, guys, I'll be right back. And he goes over to the 13 drunk guys, leans on their table, and the next thing you know, they're all weeping, snotting, like, like it's just... And the next thing you know, 13 guys are going like this. <laughs> he comes back. He comes up and we say, hey, Christopher, what just happened? He said, well, uh, I saw that they were kind of like me, so I went over there and I just did to them what you did to me. And uh, yeah, so... It was pretty cool. So we, we, we eat, and he tells us his story, how his parents both died in a car crash two weeks before, and the day before his brother had a semi-truck, he was changing a tire, and the, the truck fell on him and crushed him, and so he was the only one left in his family. He'd never been to church before. When they invited him to church, they thought that he was invi- they were inviting him to another bar. He was trying to drink himself enough courage to kill himself that day when, when God intervened. And so from a, in, in an hour and a half's time or two hours' time, he went from drunk and demonized to born again, delivered, spirit-filled, prophesying, and now he's an evangelist in IHOP. It's the power of the gospel. It's the power of the gospel. Honest to goodness, the next day we show up at church at 9.30 uh, for the, another part of the seminar, and Christopher's out front with 40 of his newest friends. Some of them have grass in their hair. Some of them have rocks and scrapes on their knees and their elbows. We say, hey, Christopher, what happened? He said, I couldn't sleep last night, so I found people that were like me. And if they couldn't walk here, I just rolled them here. Uh, and true story. So like, he, he doubled the size of the church overnight. B- because why? He had an encounter with God, and God gave him the whole thing. I, I mean, he didn't go to Kaysom. He, he should. He didn't go to my father's heart school of prophecy. I, I mean, he should. He, he didn't go to, to, to BSSM. He, he, he didn't get a Bible college degree. He, he just had a touch from God. And he began to say, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. And he just began to tell his story. And the power of God and the glory of God just began to cover people. How many know that's really the kingdom of God? It's what we're called to do. While all of this was happening and the church people were going crazy, the Lord at one point whispered in my ear and he giggled. You ever hear the Lord giggle? It's really cool. He goes, isn't it something? Isn't it great? I remember saying, Lord, what's so great about it? He said, isn't it great? He doesn't know how to behave in church yet. And the Lord wants to send people who don't know how to behave in church yet. So, so Jesus has this encounter. He goes to the other side. He, 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 he gets interrupted. His rest gets interrupted by a demon. God sets the man free, healed, delivered, becomes an evangelist. How many know Jesus is still trying to rest? He's still trying to be with the Father. He's still trying to... And he goes to another another spot, and here comes Jairus, ruler of the synagogue. 
He's got religious clout, political clout, and he's financially secure. He has everything he could ever want, Jairus does. The only thing he can't pay for is his daughter's health. He risks his reputation. He risks what everybody's going to talk about. He, he risks even uh, making his wife man. Not saying you should do that. You shouldn't do that. But, but he risks it. And he leaves home and he goes and finds Jesus and said, Jesus, my daughter is the point of death, but I know that if you'll come and lay hands on her, she'll be healed. And here's what I love about Jesus. He didn't say, hey, uh, Jairus, thanks for the invitation. It was really nice. My itinerary is kind of full, and for two days I've just been trying to get a little vacation. And, but I'll tell you what, uh, Wednesday night we're having another meeting on the hill over there. So if you get her to me, I'll, I'll be happy to see what I can do. Can I tell you something? Jesus never tells anybody to come back tomorrow. Jesus never told anybody to come back tomorrow because today's the day of salvation. Jairus says, will you go to my house? Jesus said, I'd love to come to your house. They begin to move, and all of a sudden, all the crowds start thronging him. Jairus must be going, hey, can I get some army guys to just kind of clear the way? I mean, this is time sensitive. And all this stuff is happening. There's another woman who heard Jesus was coming. And she suffered with hemorrhaging, bleeding for 12 solid years. She's been an outcast. She's heard the screams of people wondering, did she sin or did her family sin? Did her parents sin? Why does she have all of this stuff? She has to go outside and make this profession every time she walks down the street. Unclean, unclean, unclean. She's isolated. She's broken. She's alone. But she hears Jesus coming. She said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. You know, I used to think that what she was doing was coming in desperation with a little bit of faith. But I actually think that part of what she was doing was she was coming in worship. She was saying, even if nothing happens, I'm going to touch him. I'm going to touch him. And she presses through the crowd and she finally gets to him, touches the hem of his garment. Immediately the flow of blood stops. Jesus, perceiving life had gone out of him, power had gone out of him, said, who touched me? Now Jairus' miracle is getting interrupted. Because it may have been his time, but it was this woman's turn. Who touched me? Peter, Thomas, all, everybody's touching you. Look, I'm touching you right now. There's hundreds of people touching you. How can you be even asking who's touching you? Everybody's touching you. No, no, I felt something I never felt before. How'd you like to touch Jesus like that? I'm not leaving, I'm not moving till I find out what happened. And the woman in fear and trembling comes and falls at his feet and tells the whole truth. I think she realized something. When you tell on yourself, the devil has nothing else to say. She tells him the whole truth. And Jesus said, woman, rise up and be healed, be restored to health. Today your face made you whole. Jairus is relieved. They're starting to move towards his miracle again. When all of a sudden his buddies come running up, hey, Jairus, don't bother the teacher anymore. It's too late. You're about two hours too late. She's dead. Just let it go. And Jesus said, don't listen to that. She's not dead. She's only asleep. 
She's not dead. She's only asleep. They keep moving towards the miracle. Can I tell you something? Don't let anybody, I don't care their title, how anointed they are, how famous they are, how many likes, friends, views they have. Don't let anybody ever talk you out of your miracle. Don't you let anybody ever talk you out of your miracle. And he marches on and they get to Jairus' house. And there's people in the front yard. They're wailing, they're wooing, they're hollering, they're making all this commotion. And Jesus said, why all the drama? If he was from the south, he'd say, bless your little heart, save the drama for your mama. But, but he's, he wasn't. He said, why all this drama? Why all the commotion? And he only, he, he says, hey, you guys that believe, come with me. Everybody else, you got to stay out. He goes in the room, he grabs a little girl's hand, speaks to her in Aramaic, and says, little girl, come forth. And she rises up, and Jesus says to Jairus, don't tell anybody. Why would he say that? Why, was he, why would he say that? Because he knew he would. But the word was already getting out. Can I ask you a crazy question? When did the little girl get raised from the dead? When Jesus grabbed her hand and said, little girl, come forth? Or earlier when he said, don't fear. She's only asleep. When did Lazarus get raised from the dead? When Jesus got to the tomb, said, roll the stone away and Lazarus come forth? That was when he responded to Martha, who said, if you had been here earlier, my, my brother, your best friend, wouldn't have been dead. And Jesus said, he's not dead. So they said, I, I think Lazarus was sitting in the tomb waiting for somebody to come and roll the stone away. I think that little girl was just taking a little longer nap waiting for her father to walk in. Why am I sharing this with you today? Because I believe the story of Mark chapter 5 is a prophetic word for this house. Let me conclude it like this. The Lord is about to anoint you with a mark of grace. That you're about to hit the bullseye with your faith. That the Lord's about to put hungry people in your path, even people who don't even know they're hungry yet. And those that are walking and struggling in, with demonic oppression, with addictions, with, with torment, the Lord's about to release an anointing upon you to set them free. That, that the Lord is about to release an anointing on you in everyday life, that when you walk down the street, when you get out of your car in a parking lot, the Lord will put hungry people in your path. I believe this, that you're about to walk in modern-day miracles, everyday modern-day miracles, where you're about to watch people that have had issues for 12 years, 20 years, 50 years, suddenly get, immediately get set free. I believe you're about to watch people's lives get resurrected. I believe you're about to watch marriages restored. I believe you're about to watch the Lord do the, the, the most impossible things. So look among Orange County. Be utterly astounded that even if I were to tell you a thing, you wouldn't be able to comprehend it. My friends, I shouldn't be here today. I should be in a tomb somewhere. I should be buried on the south side of Chicago next to my father. At seven years old, I was diagnosed as a schizophrenic. When I was seven years old, I started smoking. At nine, I was drinking. I've attempted suicide ten different times. At 13, I tried to hang myself in the, with a rope in my garage, and the rope broke. At 17, I tried to drive my car in Lake Michigan. It ran out of gas. Tried to do it again. I hit a semi-truck, but I didn't get a bump, bump a bruise or a scratch because I had my seatbelt on. 
I wanted to die. I didn't want to get hurt. Plus, click it or ticket. Didn't want the fine. I tried to shoot myself. I had a 38 special in my mouth. Pulled the trigger numerous times. When they recovered the gun, every bullet had been fired, but none came out of the gun. I had a Glock 17. I pulled the trigger numerous times. When they recovered the gun, there was a bullet at the end of the gun, one right behind it, one coming out of the clip. I realized I shouldn't be here. On January 17, 1997, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'd gone through a divorce. I was estranged from my family. I was broken. I was filled with fear, anxiety, schizophrenic. They would find me sometimes curled up in the back seat of my vehicle because I was afraid for my life. They'd found me sometimes after days be curled up in, in, a, in a closet because I was just hiding from my life. I thought everything and everyone was against me. I'd walked through a, a difficult situation and divorce, and on the day the divorce was final, on January 17th of 1997, I took 250 prescription pills, a bottle of gin, a 12-pack of beer, and I laid down to die, or so I thought. Nobody knows how it happened, but I ended up in the church 12 miles away from where I was living. My truck wasn't there. Nobody's ever come forward to say they drove me there. I, I walked into the pastor's office. I told him my name, and I dropped dead in his office. He called the ambulance. They came. They revived me after about three to five minutes. They brought me to the hospital. I was in a coma for two and a half days. My beautiful mother, who I just talked to you about earlier today, they called her and they said, you might as well forget you ever had this son. He won't live. But if somehow he does live, he'll be a vegetable the rest of the days of his life. He won't walk. He won't talk. He won't be able to feed himself, care for himself. And you should sign your son to be just a ward of the state. My mom told the story with me in August of, of 2019 she said she remembers sitting on the steps of her house put the phone to her chest the doctor's still on the line said Satan you can't have my son and God I don't know how you do what you do but I'm asking that you make my son a miracle I named him David because I always believed he'd be my little shepherd boy I don't know how you do what you do but I'm asking God that you do the miraculous in his life and about that time a bright light came into the room and the Holy Spirit woke me up. Jesus revealed himself to me. And he said, son, I, I won't relent and I won't repent. I'm not changing my mind about you. I've called you to go around the world preaching the gospel. Wherever you go, lives will be touched and changed. He took me by the hand. He led me to what I call the outer banks of hell. And I could hear people screaming, gnashing of teeth, burning flesh, sulfur. People were screaming out, Wagner, why didn't you tell me this place was real? You went to church every Sunday and every Wednesday night. And with tears streaming down his face, Jesus said, if you give me your life, I'm going to use you to rescue people from this place. That day I gave him my life. I didn't pray the sinner's prayer. I didn't know that one. I just simply prayed this prayer. God, if you can love me when I can't love myself, I'll serve you the rest of the days of my life. With all the billions of people in the world and all the things that God had going on, God stepped out of, out of the, into my darkness with his glorious light and, and he woke me up. All I can tell you is I died crazy, but I woke up in my sound mind. I died empty, but I woke up hungry for God. And I fulfilled that word. I've been in 69 countries in the world preaching the gospel. I've seen all kinds of miracles and healings. Why am I sharing this with you? A couple of reasons. Number one, the glory of God is always on your story. Number two, the Lord doesn't disqualify anybody. I believe there are some of you today in this place where the Lord is awakening, calling, and destiny and purpose. Here, here's what I felt this morning while we were praying for the sick. As Mike had those words of knowledge and, and we were praying for people. 
And he said something like, I feel like there's 15 people who haven't stood up yet because you're afraid. Those things. I heard the Lord say that I'm setting the church free from disappointment. I'm setting the church free from disappointment. Oftentimes we get hung up on what we haven't seen instead of the one we know. Are you hearing me this morning? I'll leave you with this. I've seen three people raised from the dead. I've seen blind eyes open, deaf ears hearing. I'm not making this testimony about me, but I got really disappointed in 2014. My pastor, who was like a spiritual dad to me, and we traveled the world. He, he raised me up in ministry, launched me out, had been diagnosed with colon cancer. God dissolved the tumors, and then it came back a year later in his liver. And I was declaring the Psalms over him, you're going to live and not die, prophesy, declare the word of the Lord. And I'd say, come on, pastor, you're going to travel with me. You're going to come with me to Australia. You're going to go all these places. And the end of May took a turn for the worse, and beginning of June, they moved him into hospice. And I had this other prophet in our prophetic guy in our church come to me and said, what do you want me to tell people? Because people are talking. They said, you created false hope. They said, you gave these words. He's going to live and obviously he's going to die. And what do you want me to tell him? And I said, I don't really care what you tell him. And he said, no, they just need to see three eternal eyes. You didn't miss it. We're all going to go sometime, but, but we're a seed and we leave seeds. And it was this great, beautiful thing. And I just wanted to stay with my pastor. I didn't want to go on this next trip. I was going on to the Netherlands and Switzerland and France. My wife and daughter were coming with me. And I asked my pastor, Pastor, just let me stay with you. I'll cancel my trip. And he said, no, go and do what you're called and trained to do. And uh, I, me and my wife got on the plane with my daughter, flew to, uh, to Amsterdam, got in about 5 in the morning. We got settled in the pastor's house. We, we were sitting there together getting some rest <clears throat> before the, the, the meeting. And the phone rang, and my pastor had gone home to be with the Lord. I told the pastor I was with what had happened. And uh, he said, do you think you can still preach? I said, yeah, I'll preach. I just need to get with the Lord a minute. And I got with the Lord and I said, Lord, I'll preach anything you want me to preach today. I'm just not going to preach on healing. And the Lord said, that's a really great idea. I want you to preach on healing. <laughs> and so I pulled out my best prophetic message. And I was going to go with this prophetic message. And all of a sudden during the worship, this guy, big Dutch guy, about six foot seven, comes in goes to the pastor and says, do you believe in miracles here? The pastor said, oh, we see them all the time. Points to me. He said, this guy really sees them. He said, good. My wife's in the car. She's six months pregnant. We've just been to the hospital. They said, the baby's dead. And if they don't get the baby out today, my wife's going to die. And uh, he said, good, go get her. And so he went out to get her, and I went to the bathroom. I, I didn't have to go. I just wanted to hide. A few minutes later, an usher comes in, and he ushed to me. That's what ushers do. They ush. <laughs> And he pounds on the door and said, David, David, David. I said, Dave's not here. Uh, and, and not the smartest you know, tool in the shed, but he, I said, I'm not coming. Tell Mateus I'm not coming. And he said, no, Mateus wants you. And he keeps coming. And he said, last time, the third time he came, he said, Mateus gave me the instruction. If you don't come out, I have to pull the door down. I really don't want to do that, David. So you just come with me. And so I came out. I said, fine. So I get behind him. I, my friend is praying for this couple, and I just get behind him. I'm going to be the catcher. So I'll agree with whatever, whatever he's praying, but I'm not praying it. So I'm trying to be the catcher, and Mateus tries to hand me the microphone. I said, no. He said, yes. I said, no. He said, yes. I said, no. He said, yes. I didn't think he understood my English, so I said, nay. <laughs> no in Dutch. And he said, yeah. 
So I grabbed the microphone and, and I just, here's how I was going to pray. A real safe prayer that didn't require any faith on my part. I've seen the blind eyes open. I've seen the deaf hear. I've seen people come back to life. I would tell you that I believed that God could. I just didn't have the faith for it that day. And I want to pray this prayer, Lord, if it be your will. And all of a sudden, my spirit overrode my soul and my mouth. And I said what I didn't want to say. You're going to live and the baby's going to live. You're going to carry the baby to full term. Uh, and, and when she comes out, she's not going to come out crying. She's going to come out singing. And the doctor and the nurse who know this story are going to give their life to the Lord because it's going to be the first time they've ever seen a miracle. And your father, who you haven't seen in six months, is going to be there and come hold her. When he does, that, that, that he's going to give his life back to the Lord. Your family's going to be restored. And three months later, on September 11th, I get this beautiful email with a picture of baby Zoe. They said she came out crying. She didn't come out crying. She came out singing. Doctor and nurse gave their life to the Lord. My father came, held the baby, gave his life to the Lord, restored our complete family. Here's, here's why I'm sharing the story. I didn't have a faith issue. I had a disappointment issue. And I, here's what I believe today. There are some of you in the midst of this amazing meeting. It's been amazing from beginning to end. Except for the preaching part. But other than that. <laughs> it's been amazing from, from beginning to end. And there, there are some of you right now that like you're in this place of death by disappointment. And the Lord wants to heal your hope. Hebrews 11.1 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not yet seen. Some of you right now, the Lord wants to heal your hope because he wants to reactivate your faith. And I just believe right now in this room, if you're walking through disappointment, disillusionment, if you're walking in this place of discouragement, the Lord is coming to, to, to break something off of you today. And he's about to release his heart like never before. Here's what I believe right now. The Lord's about to bring us into a, a season where the days of hit and miss Christianity have come to an end. That God's about to do things that have never been written in the theologies of men. They're in the Bible. They're, they're, they're in the kingdom. But we've never seen them yet. So we have no context for them yet. And the Lord's about to do it again in the streets and on the beaches of Orange County. It's going to spring up into L.A. It's going to go up and down the I-5 corridor. It's going to pour into Mexico. It's going to go up into Canada. It's going to sweep across the United States of America. I was reminded last night at dinner of, of a, vis a visitation I had of the Lord. In, in February of 2016 up in Reading. I was in the Hampton Inn downtown Reading and about four something in the morning my bed began to shake and I realized it wasn't the bed shaking, it was me shaking and I thought I was in an earthquake because I was in California and, I, and, and all of those things and I said, Lord, what's happening? Uh, and I felt this angelic being in the room and I said, Lord, who is that? And he said, it's the angel of awakening and I saw him put one foot on the west coast and one foot on the east coast and the Lord said, I'm about to release the rumblings of revival from the west coast to the east coast and when it hits the east coast, it's going to come like like an accordion, like a bookends, and it's going to begin to sweep through the middle of America. And I'm here to tell you right now that the Lord is about to break off the disappointment of our day. He's about to break off all of the stuff of the, of the last couple of years. Some of you right now, you're about to throw the yoke of the last two years off of your life. You're about to click the dust off of your feet because the Lord is moving you into miracle territory. And I believe right now in this room, the Spirit of the Lord is in this room because He's about to renew something on the inside of you. Just going to ask real quick, everybody to close your eyes 
and, and bow your heads. Uh, I would tell you to keep your eyes open and your heads up, but that probably doesn't seem very nice. But, 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 but keep your eyes closed, heads bowed. You're in this room today. You've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. Or you've got one foot in and one foot out. You find yourself away from God today and you say, David, I heard what you had to say and I, I want to come to him. I want to I, I come and I want to give my life fully to Jesus. I want the Lord to use me. I want him to, to wash me in his precious blood. I, I want to become a, a new creation like I heard about in, in 1 Corinthians 5, 17 from, uh, uh, up, on the, uh, up on the screen earlier today. I, I want to give my life fully to Jesus. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's bad news. It means we all deserve to die and go to hell. But the good news is this. While we are yet sinners, Christ came and died for us. The Bible says, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Acts says, no, there's no other name in heaven or in the earth by which a man can be saved other than the name of Jesus. Jesus said that if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. Paul the Apostle said that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Son of God and God raised him from the dead, then you're, you're children of God. And if you're in this room today and, and you say, Dave, I've been away from God. I've never, I may have been to church, but I've never encountered uh, who Jesus is. And I want to give him my whole life. I, I want him to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Or you're away from God and you said, I need to get right with God today. Don't want to embarrass you. Just want to pray for you. If you want me to include you in that prayer, I want you to put your hand, hand up and you put it right back down. Pray for me. I see your hand back there, sir. I see your hands all over the room this morning. Lord, I thank you right now that, Lord, you are the Savior. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your hand, that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Those of you that lifted your hands, I want to keep my word. I don't want to embarrass you. I do just want to pray for you. If you would be so bold, you were bold enough to lift your hand. If you'd be so bold, I'd ask you to come to the front right here and stand with me. There's nothing magical about the front, but it's a sign that you're leaving where you are to come to where, uh, to, to a place of new beginning today. There, there are about 10 hands that went up around the room. I won't prolong it. Dave, can I pray the prayer in my seat? Absolutely, positively. But there's something about making a move. There's something about stepping out of where you are to where he is. But any, BBC, any of you 10, be so bold to, to do that this morning and just come and stand right here. That would be amazing. If not, before you leave, please let somebody know that you've given your life to Jesus today. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to help you know how to get plugged in. You're not, it's not about joining a church. It's not about joining a movement. We don't want your money. We, we want you. We want to see you become everything that Jesus called you to be uh, in this house today. And so I believe this, that this is the greatest miracle you'll ever see. It's the greatest miracle you'll ever see. It never gets old to me. I've seen the miracles I've talked about. I've seen them. But this is the greatest miracle of all. That you guys are actually responsible for a huge party today. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices. There's a party in heaven because of the decision you made in your heart today. I'm going to ask those of you that have come to just hold out your hands like you're receiving a gift. I mean, if you want to look like you're stuck up, you can do that too. Um, but this is just the international sign of surrender. When my kids were little, I'd come home from a trip and they'd come running out the house and they would jump in my arms like that. That's how you came to God today. And um, otherwise, hold out your hands like you're receiving a gift. And just pray this prayer with me. I'd like everybody in the room to pray this with me. And just say it out loud. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, today I give you everything. I give you my past, I give you my present, and I give you my future. I believe you're the Son of God. You died on the cross for my sins, and God raised you from the dead. I admit I'm a sinner, but today I confess you're my perfect Savior. 
Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Be my very best friend. From this day forward, I'll belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want you to know you didn't get little baby Jesus in your heart. It's cute, but it's not accurate. But a full-grown, resurrected, filled with power from on high Jesus came to live on the inside of you. He's put his hand inside of your hands, his feet inside of your feet. He gave you the mind of Christ, the heart of God. And he's anointed you to be his witness throughout the earth. And so, Lord, we bless these that have come right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for this son right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for the anointing of leadership that you placed upon him. And, brother, I felt like the Lord said if you follow, you'll go on a detour. But if you'll lead, many people will follow you because you know the way in which to go. And I saw the Lord. I didn't just see Jesus or Holy Spirit embracing you. I saw the Father. I saw Father God embracing you today, wrapping his arms around you. And I feel like the Lord said, you're going to be one who shows people what the Father looks like. You're going to be one who shows people what the Lord looks like. And I felt like the Lord said that, son, I have great success in store for you. And I just felt like what the Lord said to Daniel. He said, son, I've anointed you to do great exploits. And I felt that anointing that was on Daniel in the Bible, the one who stood in the midst of the lion's den and the Lord shut their mouth. That anointing of miracles like that is coming upon you. And I just felt like the Lord just showed me this amazing quickness that the Lord's given you. And I saw you being able to kind of like break through and get the shot. I saw you being able to break through and, 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 and score the run. It's like I saw this gift of grace, of, of almost like speediness, of quickness, of, of, of agility. And so, Lord, I bless him in that. Lord, I bless the leadership in him. In Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you for this son. Lord, I thank you for the anointing of new beginnings that's coming upon his life. Lord, I thank you that you're awakening something in his heart, that, Lord, you're restoring dreams, even from the time he was a little boy. But I, I just saw the, man, I, I just saw the Lord... Uh, just laughing with you. I saw you and the Lord belly laughing together. And I feel like it's a season of joy. I feel like the Lord is not just going to make you happy, but the joy of the Lord, that's his strength, is about to bubble up on the inside of you. And I just felt like the Lord said that this is the season of the return. And I feel like there's been some things that have been stolen from you, especially over the course of the last couple of years. And I saw the Lord bringing things back together better than they ever were. And I just felt like the Lord kissed you on the forehead. And he said to tell you that he's so pleased with you. Like when I'm looking at you today, sir, I feel the pleasure of the Lord. And so, Lord, would you let him feel the pleasure of God today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for this amazing daughter. Lord, I thank you for an incredible, amazing prayer life. That, Lord, like Moses, she'll talk to you face to face like a man or a woman speaks to their friend. Lord, I thank you for those face to face encounters. Lord, I thank you that you're anointing her to break off condemnation. You're anointing her to break things off of people. Lord, I thank you for the anointing of deliverance. Lord, I thank you right now that every place of disillusionment, every place of disappointment is being healed. And right now, Lord, you're coming with the embrace of God. Lord, you're about to envelop her in your heart. And Lord, I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you for this amazing woman of God. I want you to do something, honey. I want you to just reach up as high as you can and then close your fist like you're grabbing onto something. The Bible says that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So everything you need is within your reach today. There's healing, there's deliverance, there's provision, there's breakthrough. And I felt like the Lord said it's a sign to you that everything that's tried to elude you or every dream that you chased and it seemed like it just went away or it died, the Lord says today you're grabbing a hold of it and the Lord's about to lift you up. 
And I heard the words of the, it's a secular song, but the words are, you lift me up so high I can stand on mountains. And I feel like that you've been that for other people. There's been many people upon your shoulders that you've been a door opener and you've, uh, you've ushered and you've walked people in to great opportunities. But those same people at times have slammed the door in your face. And I felt like the Lord said that he's actually about to release the anointing of business, breakthrough, and ministry all combined. And I feel like it's, it's, it's going to be this multifaceted gift. And there is this amazing gift and grace on your life to help people know that they're beautiful. I saw you taking people almost on spa days to realize their value in God. I saw you actually seeing people share with you, hear people share with you how they were contemplating suicide, but because you showed them the value of their own life that they chose to live. And I just really felt like the Lord just showed me that he's come to give you life. John 10, 10, the enemy came to kill, steal, and destroy, but the Lord's come to give you life and life more abundantly, life to the full. And uh, so, Lord, I just thank you Holy Spirit, that you would come and you would descend upon her, that she would feel your love, your power, and Lord, the way that you, what you feel over her today. And I just really feel like this, um, honey, I just felt like the Lord was, was actually lifting off serious things, like just in a season where everything's just serious. And, and I just felt like the Lord said, it, it's time to have fun again. And so, Lord, I just thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for little girl dreams. Little girl dreams coming to pass. Psalm 5 verse 12, or I'm sorry, Psalm uh, 5 verse 8 says, You were created just a little bit lower than the angels, and God's crowned you with glory and with honor. So Lord, I thank you. It's not even a tiara. It's a crown that you're putting on our head today. In Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you for my my brother right here. Lord, Lord, I thank you right now. Uh, Brother, I heard these words, that he's a friend that's closer than any brother. And I feel like there's a lot of things that you just said, I've got to go it alone. I've got to do it alone. And I just felt like the Lord said that he's wrapping his arm around you. It's almost like I saw the Lord like uh, in a three-legged race with you. Like both uh, your leg and his leg were in the, the sack and you were running the race together. And so, Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for that togetherness. I thank you for that playfulness. I thank you that, Lord, that, uh, Lord he's not just going to start a race, but he's going to finish it. And I felt as soon as I said that, the Lord's anointed this house to be a house that finishes. Lord, I thank you that this is a house that finishes. And so, Lord, I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you for this amazing daughter. Honey, if you'll just go like this with your hands. I saw, literally, I saw the Lord pouring oil out on your hands. And I feel like the Lord said it's the oil of healing. It's the oil of gladness. It's the oil of healing. And the Bible says that he gives us the spirit of, uh, 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 that, that he comes upon us and he gives us joy for the spirit of heaviness. He gives us the oil of gladness. And, and I saw that Isaiah 61 anointing coming upon you. And Lord, I thank you for the anointing that you would use her to be a healer of hope. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you for uh, my brother right here. Brother, I just felt like this, that the Lord showed me uh, that, that you're one who serves. It's like you're, you're constantly just running things back and forth, cleaning things up. But I felt like the Lord just showed me like he just fired up a grill. And I saw like, I just saw like, like the Lord just flipping over steaks. And I, I saw all, maybe it's because I'm hungry now, but it's like I saw <laughs> carne asada and burgers and steaks. And it was like, I, I saw all of these great cuts that, that the Lord was saying, hey, cook with me. And it was like there was a father-son dimension that you and the Lord were actually making, creating things together. And the Lord loves the way that you serve but I felt like the Lord said, I'm about to give you dream. 
I'm going to give you dreams, and it's not the American dream. It's actually a kingdom dream. Uh, and I felt like the Lord said that, that even as you've been faithful as a laborer or faithful to serve and all of those things, the Lord said, I want you to start thinking like an owner. And I just saw this, the Lord anointing you with his favor. And so, Lord, I thank you for the favor of the Lord that's upon him. In Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for my brother on the end. Brother, I looked at you one time today, and the Lord said, he's really a trip. And, and, and he said it in the, like the most honorable, proud way. Like I just felt like the, the Lord was saying road trip. And I was like, I just saw the Lord bringing you to places that you've seen before, but you haven't seen before. It's like things that you've looked at a thousand times, but you're about to see something new. And I feel like the Lord's anointing you for a new vision for a new day. And that the Lord loves your stories and he loves your jokes. Lord, if he doesn't want those words, I'll take it for myself. Thank you. But, but I, I saw the Lord just, just the anointing of, of the, the story of God. And I just really felt like this, that, that the Lord said the best is yet to come. I don't want to sound cliche, but I heard the Lord say to tell you that he saved the best days of your life for the rest of the days of your life. And so, Lord, we just bless him today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Mike, if you and your lovely wife can just join hands a minute. Uh, I heard the words of a, a song again. It's a secular song, which I can neither confirm nor deny. I listen to secular music from time to time. <laughs> Only in the grocery store. Just kidding. But I heard the words of this song. It's kind of a love song, and the words are, we've only just begun. And I just really felt like the Lord said that even through the fire, even through the storm, he's found you in the act of being faithful. Yeah. And that every day is like this day. Like, I feel like this, that, Mike, every day you wake up with expectation. And the Lord said he loves the way that you're not just, that you're not hands off, but you're actually boots on the ground. And I feel like so often that you're the first one here and the last to leave. And I just feel like the Lord said that not only have you built a house for him, but the Lord says that I'm building a dwelling place for you. And I felt like just the Lord actually about to bring you into something sweet. And I felt like the Lord said, I'm actually clearing the air uh, over some things. And it was almost like the wind of the presence of God. And I feel like some things that you've actually helped to sow into and to... Uh, and to put and to help other people engage and get ahead. The Lord says that I'm actually bringing you into a season of reciprocation. And I know you don't like uh, titles and those things, but I felt like the Lord said there's about to be a shift in your ministry, not just from pastor, not just pastoring, although that stays the same. But the Lord says I'm actually anointing you as an apostolic father in the region. But also I felt like the Lord said you're about to reactivate miracles within the movement. And I feel like the Lord said that I'm actually about to use uh, you as a man of wisdom. And I, I felt like the Lord said there's a reason uh, that I'm causing your hair to grow white. <laughs> it has nothing to do with stress, everything to do with wisdom. And I just really felt like the Lord said that you're about to set the Father's table. And I know that you're in, in meetings this weekend and all of those things. And I felt like the Lord said that you're actually going to begin to provoke people to dream again. That you're actually about to see many people actually healed from that place of disappointment. And you're about to watch the Lord release resurrection life. But I also felt like the Lord said that I'm releasing healing and miracles over your house. I'm releasing healing and miracles over your house. And daughter, I heard the Lord say that he loves the way that you know how to move him. I, I saw like you're holding this balloon. It was filled with helium, like you're just holding onto it. 
And the Lord said, it's not a balloon. It's actually the strings of my heart. It's my heart strings. And I saw you pulling on the heart of God and, and the contents of his heart just began to flow down over you. But I couldn't help but think it was also like the hem of his garment. That, and I heard the Lord say, tell you that you didn't just touch him, but you moved him. Because you, touch, because you touched his heart, you moved his hand because they're connected. You touched his heart and you moved his hand because they're connected. And uh, Lord, I just thank you right now, not just for legacy that's left, but legacy that's lived. Lord, I thank you for that legacy is not just left, but it's lived. Lord, I just thank you for increase coming. I feel like people are about to come in the next 10 years from all around the country and even from around the world to see how you're doing what you're doing. From, from the transformation stuff to the, to the warehouse thing to all of those things. I saw people coming and I saw this being a prototype for distribution ministry of distributing, distributing food and closing goods but also distributing the gospel and miracles and healing. And so Lord I thank you Lord I've said it a few times but revival's coming from the remnant. And so Lord I thank you from the remnant uh, that's in the house. Lord I thank you that Lord, Lord, Lord we, we will talk about the things that you've done because there's glory on the story, and, and Lord, you're the God of history. But Lord, I thank you that we're also going to begin to talk about what you're doing and what you're about to do. And so Lord, I release just a full release. Lord, I release all that I carry and more for whatever it's worth. Lord, I release it upon this congregation. And I declare that, Lord, there is a quickening of the word of the Lord. There's a quickening of prophetic words over the house and over the people. That, Lord, there is a revival coming in Orange County. That, Lord, there are people that are about to move here. So there, I know there's been people who moved out. But, Lord, you're about to send people. Not only are, are they going to come, but they're going to be sent. And, Lord, I thank you for the anointing of the sent one that's coming. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, you're about to do something in this county. You're about to do something in this region that's phenomenal. And so, Lord, I thank you for the season of miracles and the phenomenon. Lord, I thank you right now that it's beyond our, our understanding, but it's within our reach. I'm wondering if the church would pray this prayer over the next few days and weeks. Lord, do whatever you want to do, even if we don't understand it. Lord, would you do what you want to do? Would you do whatever you want to do, even if we don't understand it? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you need healed from, from that place of disappointment today, I know that I'm over time. Wow, I closed my eyes and I'm way over time. But, but hey, I'm on central time. So just, just real quick. You say, Dave, I'm dealing with disappointment. I want it broken off my life. Just lift your hand right where you are. Lord, I thank you. The same way we get healed in our body is the same way we get healed in our soul and our mind. And so, Lord, I break off that, that spirit of, 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 of disappointment and disillusionment. Lord, I thank you. You're going to take delay and turn it into acceleration. And Lord, right now, I just thank you for that quickening, that the word of the Lord is about to run swiftly. Lord, I thank you right now for not, Lord, as revival comes, renewal comes again. Lord, it won't just be about extended meetings, but it's going to be about extending your family. Lord, it's not just going to be about meetings, but it's actually going to be about extending your family. And so, Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, thank you for the honor and the privilege of being in this house today. But I thank you that, Lord, that, that healing, anointing, and grace is just settling in over all of us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. And don't, don't forget to... When you get your kids, don't forget to tip the children's workers. Otherwise, your kids are going to go home with espresso and kitty cats, and you don't want that. So God bless you guys. Thanks for being here today. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you have a great week. If you had an encounter during this service, we would love to hear about it in the comments. And for more information, next steps, 
check our website out at vineyardlin.org. Thank you.